Hey, this is Heath Pageant, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 183. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and on today's episode, I'm interviewing Jonathan Longnecker. Jonathan runs 47 Media, a web design and development shop, and has been traveling across the country with his family of four in an Airstream for over four years. And while we talk a lot about Jonathan's business in this episode, what I loved most about this conversation and that I've been thinking about since we talked is this idea of balance. And some people don't like the term balance. Some people like to think of it more as like a blended life as an entrepreneur. But no matter how you think of work-life, balance, blend, whatever you want to call it, It's something that I think is really important, especially for this upcoming generation, our generation of people who are working remotely and there's not the same boundaries that there used to be. A lot of us don't even have offices, we work from home. And so it's just been something that now with a little baby, I'm thinking about, and I just think it's an important message to dig in and have conversations about. One of the ways that Jonathan has tried to have more of a blend in his life instead of just getting too deep in the weeds on all of his client projects is with his business partner, they started a podcast. One day a week, they would film a fun video project where they could just goof off and act like idiots, his words, not mine, called the Kick Awesome Show. It was a creative outlet, something for them to show off their personalities, and this fun little side project helped them find new customers too. So it went all the way around. And for me personally, what I took away from this is it's always gonna be a long haul and grind to grow your business to the point where you want it to be. And it's easy to just think that once you get there, you can take your foot off the pedal and just kind of be happy then. But finding ways to make sure that you're enjoying a lot of your work in the moment or as much as you can is really important to avoiding long-term burnout. We dig into this and a lot more in today's episode. And before getting to this episode with Jonathan, I just wanted to mention that we still have some tickets on sale for our 2020 RV Entrepreneur Summit. This is our fourth year to host this conference, and we have main stage speakers, workshops, and a lot of really cool community events. And the whole purpose of this conference is to, one, bring people together who are working to create a remote business as they travel in RV, and two, help provide really good resources of people like Jonathan, who will be speaking this year, who can share what they've learned while they've built their business on the road. We'll have about 400 people there this year hosting it in northern Alabama at a beautiful state park called Lake Gunnersville, beginning on March 19th. Would love to see you there, and if you're interested in learning more, you can go to therventrepreneur.com to check it out. All right, let's get into today's episode with Jonathan. Jonathan, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So this has been kind of a fun question to start the podcast with lately, but when you meet somebody new, how do you describe what your life is right now and what you do for work? Yeah, so what I do for work. So the majority of our income is through 47 Media, which is a web design and development shop. Well, it's, it's part design branding and then also part web development. Uh, and I'm the solo uh, employee of that uh, and owner and I kind of do all the things I'm sort of weird and then I'm I'm kind of left and right brain and so I actually do the design side of it but then I also jump in and do the code side of it as well and kind of walk our, my clients through that entire process a lot of people kind of ask you know you meet a lot of people on the road and they're like oh can you build me a website and what I end up telling most of them is that the websites that I build are more custom, so I'm not the guy you want to call if you just need to set up like a quick WordPress site or like a Shopify store or something like that. 
I'm usually the guy that comes in when those solutions have sort of run their course for you and can't customize them anymore. Like you need some really custom solutions. And maybe you're just to the point where your visual brand either needs to be taken up a notch or you need to represent that brand in a more custom way and Squarespace or WordPress is just preventing you from doing that. So where I usually come in is I do everything custom. So I design everything from scratch. I code everything from scratch and build them sort of exactly what they need. So that's what I do most of the day after work and on the weekends and at night, Ashley, my wife and I, we run Tiny Shiny Home, which is a blog about all of our travels. We write tons of articles. We've renovated our Airstream, so we have a lot of stuff about that. We camp off grid a lot, so we've got a lot of like products and resources that are based around that. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> As you were talking about doing all of the things for yeah. <laughs> 47 Media, it made me think of, I don't know if you read a lot. Have you ever read Company of One? No, but I think I've heard of it. I haven't read it, though. Okay. It just made me think of that, which is the whole idea about being more intentional about not necessarily trying to like grow, grow, grow an agency or things like that. Because I'm sure you probably had to be pretty intentional on taking on a lot more projects over the years if you were like, I'm going to do every type of WordPress site, even if it's a smaller project. And how did you kind of niche down into like, I'm not going to do these kind of lower end projects and I'm going to charge a bit more and things like that? So actually, both myself and my original business partner, Nate, we both went to school for just graphic design. This was back in the early 2000s. Web design wasn't even really a thing back then. And so we kind of earned our stripes doing a ton of print design work and like branding work for companies and putting campaign like ad campaigns together and stuff like that. And then I think the whole cascading style sheets thing happened sort of like the mid 2000s. And we were kind of lucky to be be around to be able to teach ourselves that. And so we kind of we already knew how to design and then we were able to translate those designs into code. And that was kind of a big deal back then. And so we got a ton of like traffic and press from some of the sites we did just because they looked really good, but they were also built well. Nate and I never wanted to to grow. Like we didn't want to have a bunch of employees and all the stress that came along with that. If we ever had projects where we needed help, we would just contract people out instead of hiring them full time. But yeah, it, it has been a very intentional sort of set up. I prefer my life to be simple <laughs> and I prefer my business to be as simple and straightforward as possible because I think at the end of the day, I, I'm less business inclined than I am. I just like to do the work. And so, you know, if I had employees and I had to deal with all the, the taxes and all the, the things that come along with, with having employees and having to get more work and be more intentional about that, I think I would not enjoy what I'm doing at all. It would be, it would just cause way too much stress and be way too complicated for me, at least. <laughs> That's so interesting. Cause I think so many people, there's like this, uh, kind of like thing that's built into the back of your mind. It's like, I need to grow bigger, grow bigger. And you start mm -hmm. the business kind of as like the technician. If you've ever read like the E-Myth, e -myth, I usually don't reference books throughout like the whole podcast episode. But in this one, I was like, if you've read the E-Myth, there's like the entrepreneur, there's the technician, and there's the manager. The manager is right, going to be right. And you need all three kind of to run any business, but usually you're more inclined to be one or the other. And it's a lot of times people will start being like the technician, the designer, and then they're just like end up managing lots of employees and things like that, doing things they don't enjoy. And that's not really what they wanted to do in the first place. And it's like, you don't have to grow if you don't want to. 
No, you don't have to. I mean, I think there's still value in learning when to not do the things you don't enjoy or you're not good at. And so even though I am a person of one, you know, like I do have an accountant, I do have somebody who actually helps me like prepare my invoices and like send my taxes in and like all that kind of stuff, even though I still am pretty involved with the, you know, actually like reconciling sort of like the day-to-day money, but like the the sort of legal stuff, <laughs> I let people who are familiar with that deal with it. Um, because I realized a long time ago that I just, I, I can't keep up with it and it stresses me out. So yeah, I think even when you're running a single person company, it is important to realize your strengths and weaknesses and, and make sure that you're not forcing yourself to do things that you end up hating because that's just no good. That's not fun. Yeah. I want to get to your story, but I, I'm just interested in this. And do you feel like there's ever been a time in kind of like your entrepreneurial journey? I know that you guys have a really cool timeline on 47 Media, which I'll link to in the show notes for this, which is like, you're in a rock band with your business partner, (laughs) you guys need a website, you made the website. And then you like worked at different agencies kind of crafting your skills went on your own, I think in like 2005 or something like that. And then you know, ran it with him for a long time and still doing it today. Do you feel like there's ever been kind of like a point that you can look back on, or maybe it's multiple points where you could have taken it in a totally different path, but you decided to kind of stay small, stay intentional. Like, I'm just wondering, cause like if there were ever times along this entrepreneurial path where you were like inclined to, Hey, if I, if I like say yes to this client, that means hiring a staff, that means doing these things. And you were like, no, I'm not going to do that. Cause that's not <laughs> what I want to do. I'm just wondering if there's been any of those kind of points for you. You know, I probably, there were a handful of clients, I think, that we just turned down just because we weren't comfortable with with either the person or like what they were doing or or like you said, like the amount of work that it would create. I remember fielding job offer requests from like Facebook like way back in the day just because we had you know like we had a bunch of traffic to the site and they were kind of they had found us or whatever and like we were like we don't really want to do that (laughs) we we just like we started as a rock and roll band right so we're already kind of a little bit different we're kind of against the grain we're kind of like we want to do things our own way and so I think that just our personalities kind of kept us from doing a lot of that I will say that as the business continued, there are definitely some sort of milestones that we can get into if you want to talk about that really shaped like the future and the direction of the company. I don't know if you want to get into that now or let's later. do it. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> okay. let's do it. Yeah. Eventually we'll, we'll talk about your sweet Airstream and how you've like have this awesome off grid setup and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm interested. So keep going. Okay, cool. So I think like I said, the, the business got pretty popular and we were getting a lot of a lot of requests for work. And I think we, especially at the beginning, you're doing stuff cheap. We did a couple of projects that we really didn't enjoy. Had one guy try to sue us because he was crazy. And so we, we you know, we kind of were like, well, we're kind of grinding through all this work and we're making money. But Nate and I had a really great creative relationship. And so we'd always enjoyed doing projects together right but the issue was is that with all these websites we both did the same thing we were both designers and we both did html css and stuff like that and so we weren't even working on projects together like he was working on his client and i was working on my client and so i don't even remember what started it but we just randomly decided to record like a video 
of us just talking about like random cool things. <laughs> and that turned into the kick awesome show. And so the kick awesome show ended up being this like web series that we made back in, I think it was 2012 where essentially we talked about cool stuff in the web industry, random things that we liked. And we just like went to a field and acted like morons basically for, <laughs> for half an hour every week. And it was like the best time. Like we had the best time. Like we were just, it was so much fun because we just got to sort of let loose and like be really creative. Hindsight being 2020, like we never collected an email address for any of this. <laughs> like we didn't ever actually do anything with it other than just make these videos and have fun with them. But what we realized is that that was actually helping us close projects because what happens is people would come and they would fill out the contact form and then they poke around the site and they'd see a link on the blog to this video. And so they'd watch the video and they'd be like, you guys are hilarious. We just have to work with you. Like, this is just really fun. And I think more than anything, it was about building trust. And so like seeing our faces talking and being like real human beings, like they got a much better sense of who we were. And also there's a page on our site called don't hire us. Right. I saw and so, that. It's a good hook. Yeah. And it just kind of goes back to that rock and roll sort of sensibility of we want to do really great work. And if you want to come in here and do something mediocre, just go ahead and leave. Cause we don't want to do that. We're gonna, both going to be like, we've been doing it long enough. We know we're both going to be frustrated and it's just, it's not a good path to head down. Mm. And so the kick awesome show is actually helping us even reinforce that. But while also making the people that wanted to work with us anyway, like really want to work with us even more. So that was sort of our first, it was, we sort of stumbled on it by accident. It was like, you can do these passion side projects and they can actually increase your bottom line, just not in the ways that you would think that they would. It was kind of like a backwards way of getting to it, but it still had the effect of creating more revenue for 47 Media. As we got into it more, we realized that having that creative component is really important. Like, it's one thing to just like grind through the work and do the work for your clients every day. But if you're not spending the time to do something for yourself as a company creatively and like to fulfill yourself, then you're going to get bored. And it's really important to be able to do that. And so for a while, we actually we called it 47 Media Day. And so every Monday, Nate and I, we wouldn't do any client work. We would just get together and we would either work on the Kick Awesome show or we would work on some other like crazy side project that we were planning and plotting. The funny thing is, is during that time, the revenue continued to grow because we were just, we were creating stuff we loved and it was infectious and like we got more people that followed us and more interest in the site, and more traffic, and that resulted in more sales and better projects and stuff like that. So that's sort of the one piece, right? That was the first thing we kind of figured out. I kind of want to stop here and then we can get into the next yeah. part because there's so many parts sure. of this that I love. The first one that comes to mind is I got the vibe when I was on Neil's website that I was interacting with the real person. The first year that my wife and I were traveling, we did a documentary where I worked a job in every state. And one of the things I realized, because I would like cold call and reach out to places when I was trying to look for a job in a new state. And one of the, the things that I started looking for is my number one indicator of a place where I wanted to work was if I went on their website and I wanted to feel like I was talking to an actual person. Like none of this third person crap, like nobody trying to like 
act bigger than they are. And even if they had a decent sized company, I just wanted to feel like they were a real person I was talking to. Yeah. So I feel like that's something that probably has come up again and again with, I would think with your clients, because you guys have done such a good job of that. Like, I I don't think a lot of people understand just how important it is if somebody lands on your website (laughs) to just communicate like you're having a real conversation because that brings people in. Yeah. It's all about the feeling. Right. And I think me being sort of both brained, I also, I really focus on like feeling with my clients. And so I'm constantly trying to push them to do the same thing to like, there needs to be a real person on the other end of this, but also you need to stop talking about yourself (laughs) and start talking about the person you're trying to sell something to, like make them feel included. Like they're part of the conversation. Like you have something that they are genuinely interested in and not because it's you and not because you say it's great, but because you understand them and you've talked about the things that they either need or they love and they connect with you. And that stuff's all really important. How important do you think it is to like make a stance, like draw a sign in the land, draw a line in the sand, (laughs) kind of like you guys have said, like, don't hire us. If you're looking for just a run of the mill average project and you know, it kind of, instantly you kind of either push people away or you pull them right in. And most of the Mm -hmm. time you go to somebody's website and it's kind of lukewarm. It's like, we do SEO services and (laughs) you know, like you don't stand for anything, but I, I don't think that most people want to hire businesses that are lukewarm. Like you want to have a really good feeling about somebody you're about to work with. Like how important do you think that that is? Well, yeah. uh, The, the first iteration of, the 47 media site was exactly that it was super stale, very lukewarm. You know, Nate and I were still working at other companies. We were kind of doing this on the side and we didn't really like, we were sort of entering this work world on our own terms for the first time. And, you know, we were young and, you know, we'd already, we'd work for other companies already and sort of seen what that's like. And we were like, we didn't want to rock the boat too much. And so, yeah, we had like a totally boring website and we had totally boring projects. I don't, there was at some point, maybe it was after we went full time with it, but I think where we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know what, we just need to be us. Like, let's make this website us because we don't love what we have and we would much rather be ourselves and do what we care about than just try to pay the bills. And so that actually, that site design, which it's it's not on the site anymore, but that was what really blew up in terms of like being found online and being linked to like by all these big sites was just because it was part of, partly the attitude, it was partly the design. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's extremely important because it totally changed the trajectory of the company. Like if we had stayed boring, it, yeah, it probably wouldn't be here still. <laughs> <laughs> like as somebody who needs that creative element in your life, your business is really just kind of a reflection of you. And then your business as a whole starts becoming more like this creative endeavor, even though it already is, you start looking at like all the different pieces of it, like more of a kind of a creative endeavor. Another thing that I wanted to dig into was the first blog that I read on you alls site was about like burnout. You guys have been on the road now for four years with your four kids you know, balancing road schooling or unschooling and boondocking and traveling and working with your clients and stuff like that. And I I thought that was interesting because it seems like for a while you've kind of been developing the skill of not burning out because you're not pushing off like the things that make you really happy. 
So what are some, like by hosting a show or doing these things or taking a day to not do a client work? So like outside of the business, what are some of the things that you guys have done as a whole to avoid kind of the perpetual burnout that a lot of entrepreneurs go through? So for 47 Media or for Tiny Shiny Home or for both? All the above. It's a, it's a very nonlinear conversation at this point. I usually like yeah, dig, yeah. dig into the story and then like we pull takeaways throughout this conversation, but ours is already blown up. So just hit me with whatever you got. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think, you know, like for 47 Media, we already talked about, you know, the, the Kick Awesome show and we had a few other random projects. Nate and I made a an album, you know, at some point because we were in the band. And so like, we still enjoyed doing that. Yeah. I think that alone time helps a lot when you have so many different things going on, it gets really difficult to like, sometimes you just need to step away from it and make sure that you're still on the right track. So a good example of that is so on our like travel map. So, you know, we've traveled to the majority of the States in the in the US, but there's like sort of the middle section of the country that we just haven't made it to yet. Our plan for the year was, well, we're going to try to hit as many of those states as we can and get them marked off the map. And I, I don't know what happened, but at some point we like took a step back and we were like, okay, is there anything we actually want to see in any of these states? <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out the answer was not really. And so we ended up changing our entire plan for the rest of the year. And we decided to focus on national parks that we haven't been to yet. And so that has taken us in a completely different direction. Now we're going up into Canada in the next couple of weeks. And we've hit like three or four national parks up here in like the Washington, Oregon area just in the past month. I think it's important to like be able to take a step back and sort of reevaluate. And I don't think you could do that unless you have some time to sort of reassess things and take a breath because it can be like once you get on that hamster wheel, <laughs> it can be hard to just stop and say, wait, 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 wait. Is this what we really want to do? Like, is this what we really should be doing? Because I'm a very process oriented person. So like once I make a decision, I like write out my process and I'm just like, I get to just get lost in the, the sort of doing of the thing. But I also do have the ability to zoom out to like a, a 10,000 foot view, but I have to be intentional about that and mm. take the time to back up and, and to think about it. I think I'm the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I struggle with thinking macro too much. Mm. There's days where I'm definitely, you, I have to be in the weeds. Like we were gearing up for our next RV <clears throat> entrepreneur summit. And so it's like a very, basically this 50 point checklist, which is like getting speakers and, yeah. you know, like working with the venue and putting tickets out or whatever. So I have to be kind of in the weeds, but I think left to my own demise, I would just like sit and daydream all day and I have to like kick myself into like, Hey, no, there's actually a list of things I need to get done today. It's probably mm -hmm. the biggest point of contention in our marriage. Cause my wife and I are partners too in business. And so it's like, sure. yeah. uh, I'm, I'm telling her there's some really important things I need to be thinking about. Like, don't get lost in the urgency. And she's like, you need to get your podcast out because it's Tuesday and you haven't, you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. No, I understand. And I think, you know, I think Ashley and I are similar. She, she has huge, awesome, amazing dreams. And she does, I think we're, we're both pretty balanced in that we both can sit down and get those things done. But I think, I think she definitely prefers to be, on the dreaming side as opposed to the like 
technical detail stuff, which she doesn't do much anyway. But like I can see when I start talking about, you know, well, you know, we sign up and they send people to this email funnel on this. And she's like, OK, <laughs> that's great. I'm glad you figured it out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. I'm this is a whole different conversation in its entirety. But, you know, she'll be talking about this whole strategy that we are going to do for this thing. And I'm like, I still don't know if this is the overarching direction that we need to take mm. for this thing. And, uh, you know, man. and it's probably yeah. the 20th time that we've talked about this and everything yeah. else. So I do that, too. That's what, <laughs> that's why I'm so weird, because I do get stuck down in the details. But then I still do that where I'm like, wait, are we sure like this is the thing? Maybe we're doing it all wrong and we need to rethink everything. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, why do I do that? <laughs> I think I think you really have to do both on, on yeah, an ongoing basis. I think I don't know if there's like a rule of thumb, like once a week you need to kind of think about and make sure you're on the right path. Maybe it's like once a month. I think the thing that, that scares me is that when life gets too busy and you're constantly in the weeds, you can go a really long way and a lot of time can pass in a direction that you don't even want to be going on. Yeah, I know. Especially when you're like us and, and the, the things you're spending your time on are still more side projects than sort of your main income source. And so it's like something that would usually take a couple of weeks to do ends up taking a couple of months just because you don't have as many hours to devote to it and you have to be like okay with that right <laughs> right yeah and it's like well dang it that was completely the wrong direction which we can i've got some things we can talk about for that too for sure <laughs> yeah okay so whenever you are doing your your zoom outs which i guess happen a little bit more rarely for you than they do for me sure. as you think about kind of like some of the macro thoughts that you've had about both your business and travel and family, whenever you've been thinking about them lately, how have those changed since you guys have started traveling and living on the road versus when you were stationary? We're getting real deep. We're getting way out of the tactical stuff on your site. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, so like you said, we, we got the fifth wheel in 2015 at some point, a couple of years into that, I, we realized that we weren't loving having to be in RV parks all the time because we had a huge camper, you know, that we were pulling behind us and we ended up boondocking a couple of times. And that, that was sort of one of those milestones where I think we boondocked for the first time and we're like, Oh, this is how we want to live. We don't want to live in an R a different RV park every week. We want to live like in these beautiful untouched natural spaces for the rest of us. <laughs> like that, that's, this is what we want to do. But the, the RV we had wasn't made for that. And so that sent us down the whole path of Airstream renovation. Initially, we were just looking at like buying a 10-year-old Airstream, throwing some solar on it and kind of going with it. But the more we got into it, we realized we really needed to build something custom. This is a theme in my life, in case you hadn't known. <laughs> DIY or? Yeah, yeah, just custom. Everything has to be custom. Well, I mean, when you have six people in like a 30-foot, travel trailer there's going to have to be customization for everyone to be comfortable and it sounds like you enjoy that like that's part of your creative process uh or maybe it's not maybe you just enjoy the pain but you want the custom so you'll go through it <laughs> so i enjoy creative projects <clears throat> that aren't physical ashley really loves physical creative projects and so the airstream renovation was actually one, probably one of the most stressful times in my life, <laughs> I would say. We ended up, I mean, we couldn't do it all ourselves. So we ended up at her parents' house for six months. We we're basically like living 
in and out of their house and another uh, trailer that they had. Honestly, I almost tanked 47 Media during that time because we were working so much on the trailer. I just didn't have the time. And so thankfully we had, you know, some money and savings from the business and we had just sold our truck and our trailer. So we had, you know, cash to actually put into renovating the Airstream. But it was, it was a super stressful, like we didn't get to spend much time with the kids because we were, Ashley and I and her dad were working on this thing like six days a week for six months. Wow. I'm curious, like on that note, like when you think about like what you charge for your hourly rate, because Alyssa and I have talked about like renovating a, a camper. But when I think about it, I'm like, I've got a lot of crap to do, you know, like where our business is, you know, yep. like I think it'd be, you know, if I charge, you know, 70 bucks an hour for my time and I think about the idea of like renovating a camper, unless I just got crazy fulfillment out of it, which is a totally different thing. It's more of a passion project. But if I mm-hmm. don't get that much fulfillment out of it, I think I'd rather just hire somebody who I can pay them to do it and I get like the end result. But it'd be interesting to know if like if you if you'd go through that process again. Yeah, is interesting because like even though it was incredibly stressful, like it was all for an end goal, right? Mm. And so the end goal was number one to live and to be able to camp off grid in these amazing places. Number two, to be able to be in those places with my family and to experience that. But also number three, you know, Ashley and I are not super like mechanically inclined and so we bought that new fifth wheel and we had so many problems with it even though it was new and we didn't know how to fix any of them and so we became we were sort of at the mercy of all these rv service centers to fix stuff and it was all warranty work and we didn't have to pay for it but the service was abysmal at every single place we went to all over the country we had to have things done three times before it got fixed and you just feel like really powerless I think at that point. And so a big part of this, besides having the trailer we wanted to camp off grid was that we would know how to take care of it and how to fix things. If they went wrong, we would knew, we would know where every wire was, where every pipe was, how the, you know, where all the tanks were and how they were connected. Like that was really important to us. And so even though that type of creative project isn't necessarily my wheelhouse. It's not like the thing that I love the most. I do love knowing how to take care of this trailer. Like when things, when things come loose or when something electrical goes out or like, you know, the, the propane jiggled loose on the stove and I was able to reflare it and like put it back together. And like, I never would have been able to do that (laughs) before. And that's, that's a huge shout out to like her, her dad and her parents, um, you know, for, first of all, letting us stay there that long. But second of all, like teaching us those things because her dad is sort of a master of all trade. Like he knows how to do everything. And so we were able to learn electrical and learn plumbing and learn piping and, and sort of building and stuff like that. That was one of those like big, big picture moments, you know, is like, do we want to keep living like this on the road or do we want to live another way? Even though to get to that other way, it's going to, take six months of our lives it's going to potentially bankrupt us (laughs) it's going to change our relationship temporarily you know even with our kids because we won't be able to spend as much time with them yeah it was a huge huge risk but like we finished it and we got back out there and it's all good like we're we're living the life that we wanted to live now that being said 
transition as always. And so we're already talking about the next phase. And my oldest daughter and my wife really want a farm at some point, like a, like a homestead type mm. thing. We're actively researching that kind of thing. And Ashley really wants to like build some non-traditional structures like dome homes and stuff like that. And so I don't know, I, you know, we're, we're looking for property and I think probably within the next year we'll do something like that. Or we may end up doing like Airbnb type stuff. Like maybe we just buy some small land, build a cool little structure and then rent it out and create some additional revenue. We have a lot of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I saw somewhere on your blog, maybe was it Adelaide that was like building and like maybe even selling potted plants and things like that? Yeah, yeah. They still do some some little projects here and there. So we we try to keep that as an option, you know, if they want to do stuff like that, because it's it's important to let we want them to to see like that entrepreneurial side and like try different things and you know help them understand that they can do this stuff too like it's not just about us and we try to include them you know in all the projects we're doing as much as possible too i'm i'm curious it's kind of shifting gears for a minute but having the four kids in the airstream obviously i've seen your i love your little standing desk workspace on one side of the airstream and oh yeah you guys have done a really cool job of setting that up so i'll link to some of y'all's airstream renovations in the show notes but how has it been with the kids being so close because a lot of times like if kids are in private or public school or whatever, they leave during the day, they don't see you working. How has it been like them being so close and seeing you kind of work on your craft or things like that? And and how has that rubbed off on them? If it has, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I think, uh, you know, my oldest is still only 13. I think they're still at the age where it doesn't matter what I do it's not going to be cool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So like, no matter what we do, like, even when we go to like these amazing places, they still complain about it because I think that's just what kids kind of do. You know, they're like, Oh, we have to go on another hike or, Oh, you know, we gotta, you gotta make another video or, Oh, you know, they just, they see those patterns and I don't know, it's easy for them to, to make fun of it. So I don't really know. I'm not really sure how that all will work out. I think it is important for them to see it. And I think that one day it will have an effect, but I think right now they're just still kids and they don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I read on your blog that you went to a retreat. One of your clients was a space retreat. It was one of your buddies, I think in Knoxville who was hosting kind of this entrepreneur's retreat. And one of the things I think about is if you're so remote all the time, which we have, Alyssa and I have been doing that as well. Like there's, there could be several months where, it's maybe just us or whatever. And we try to be intentional about meeting up with friends, but how have you guys both as you and Ashley as individuals or a couple, and then as a family prioritized growth, if that makes sense. Like if you're so remote and like a lot of growth could come from being around other people or learning, like how have you been able to continue to grow as a, as a unit and as individuals while being out on the road? Yeah. And I think, you know, meeting up with other people, I think that, it seems like it's a very seasonal type cycle. You know, we will we'll be out on the road for a couple of months and not really meet hardly anybody. And then we'll get to a certain like area, maybe at a certain time of year. And there's like five different families, you know, that want to meet up. I don't know. I think you just kind of have to go with the flow. You know, you 
obviously we're here all the time with our kids. And so we are trying to constantly teach them things and, and help them learn about new stuff. We're going to new places all the time. And that helps a lot, like all the things that we've learned just by visiting national parks or national monuments, you know, just uh, there's so much that you can sort of learn and grow that way. And I think, you know, this past year, Ashley and I have dug into a couple of courses, like just online courses for different things. Podcasts are another good way that we kind of learn, learn a lot about communicating and stuff like that. I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, those are, those are plenty of good things. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of ran out of gas there. No, you're good. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. It is a hard balance to find, to sort of stay engaged and to keep growing, but also to enjoy life and not not be super stressed. And I think, you know, you to kind of pivot a little bit, I know that one of the questions you asked was just about, is it harder to run 47 Media from the road? And I think the hardest thing is finding the balance because like, we started doing this, number one, for me to work less because hopefully our expenses would be lower. You know, I don't have a commute, keep things simpler. But at the same time, we're at so many places that we want to explore and to check out. And so it's hard to find that balance between I need to work so many hours today or I need to go and try to find some new business or do I want to go hike up that amazing mountain over there? And it gets it gets really hard to when you have so many opportunities to adventure and sort of feed that side of your soul, sort of wanderlust side, as opposed to like the sitting down and staring at your computer for six, eight hours a day, it's, it becomes a lot harder to reconcile that when you have access to these amazing places. And that's been probably, and it's still probably the hardest balance or the hardest thing is finding that balance when you're running a business while you're traveling. Yeah, so when you wake up in the morning and your choices are, I'm going to go on a hike, or I'm going to spend quality time with my kids, or with Ashley, or work on my craft, uh, like, right. how do you, what is the decision-making process that you go through to prioritize those things, if you have a system, and it's probably a bit unfair of me to ask you this, because I'm, you know, I'm working through this all the time, and I'm like, I just want to know, <laughs> uh, I'm interested to hear how other people go through that process, because that's that's been the biggest struggle for, for myself as well, and when we've been stationary this year, I will say that we've had a lot less adventure, we've had a lot less time mm -hmm. outside, which I really missed, but yeah. on the flip side, I have a cool. You got a lot more done, dude. I, I got so much <laughs> done, like a ridiculous amount. But I know that's there's more to life than that. How does that look for you when you kind of wake up and how do you prioritize your day? I still try to keep relatively normal business hours. I don't have to work as many business hours, but essentially, like I try to be around for a chunk of every weekday to communicate with clients and make sure you know I just need to be around for them, and so. Generally, I think 47 Media gets prioritized first thing in the morning, and so I'll usually I'll work on that and maybe a little bit after lunch, and then sometime in the afternoon, either we will go adventuring and exploring, or we'll switch gears and we'll work on Tiny Shiny Home stuff, or we'll just, I don't know, hang out somewhere, or it's a little bit different every day, but, but for us, the 47 Media is definitely sort of prioritized just because it is... This, the main income for us right now. 
Totally. I wanted to get into so many other things in this episode, but we're already at the 45 minute mark. But the last question I've been asking on the show is what's the biggest thing that you've learned in the past year? <laughs> so I, I looked through these questions and the thing I wrote down was, is I will tell you once we officially launch our boondocking course. <laughs> <laughs> So real quick, we love to camp off grid. And so over the past, I'd say year and a half, we've been working on products for other people who also want to camp off grid. And it's been an extremely long sort of process of trial and error. We've gone down a couple of different roads, which we talked about earlier, which didn't necessarily pan out very well. And I think what we finally landed on is a, a video course that teaches people sort of each part of boondocking, right? So how do you find and store and filter and deal with water? You know, how do you deal with power? Like I don't understand if people don't understand solar and lithium and converters and inverters and, and all and like how much power things actually use when you're camping off grid. Like we kind of dig into all that. We talk about waste. How do you deal with gray water and black water? What do you do with your trash? We talk about internet because obviously a lot of us work while we travel and while we're boondocking. And so it's, it's important to have like a really robust internet setup. So we dig into all the nerdy details of that. We talk about food and storage. So Ashley like has a whole section where she, we talk about how hard it is to cook when you're boondocking because, uh, you know, heating with electricity uses a ton of power. And if you don't have, you know, a huge battery bank, then it gets really complicated. And so, and just not just that, but like storing, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're probably not going to be able to run to Walmart for five in five minutes and grab something that you forgot. So sort of planning and prepping and storing food and then safety, which is the thing that people ask most about is like, do you feel safe? And I always tell them we feel way safer boondocking than we do in a campground, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but people are still like, it's just a, a mental thing. People are like, well, if I'm out in the middle of nowhere and something happens, like, what do I do? And so we kind of we dig into that. So that's been our life for the past like four to six months. We've been writing, shooting, editing these videos. We've been putting workbooks together, kind of putting the course together. And like, we're like right on the edge of actually being able to, to launch it and to start getting people to sign up. It's our first like paid product. Like everything else we've done up to this point has been like we've just been giving stuff away. We have some affiliate links and that's how we've made money with Tiny Shiny Home up to this point. So this is sort of our, our big first pivot, I guess, into trying to make some money off of the inordinate amounts of time <laughs> that we put into Tiny Shiny Home over the years. So yeah, I, we tried a few different things. We tried some like small group programs that were like private one-on-one -on -one type things we've we've done a tried a bunch of different things in regards to boondocking and we know people are interested in it but it's been a really hard process for us to figure out how to make exactly what they want and what they're willing to pay for as well that's the hardest part it's like we can make something cool but if nobody wants it then it doesn't matter <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. i think that's that's probably the story of my business career up to this point is I've always made cool stuff, but it's not ever been something that, or it's rarely been something that people are willing to pay for. And that's, that's in terms of side projects. Like obviously people are paying to have custom websites built, but in terms of side projects and side products that I've made over the years, they've always been very high quality, but I didn't necessarily take the time to do the research and figure out exactly what people 
wanted and needed and if they were willing to pay for it and how much they were willing to pay for it. So I've been really trying to like humble myself over the past <laughs> couple of years and and really take the time to understand those things and to to listen to people and to, like I've actually called people and talked to them about this like before we even started doing anything. And so the question is whether that approach will yield results. And so I can't I can't tell you for sure yet. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm I'm hoping either way I'm going to learn something big. I just don't know what that thing is yet. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, the uh, the thing that you've learned the past year is is, is TBD. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. And you I mean you guys spent more than 6 months out boondocking in the past year and you have a really ridiculous internet setup and we haven't done as as much boondocking as as we would have liked and part of the nature of that is that my my company's been focused this past year on building software for campgrounds and stuff like that. So it kind of makes sense ah. from a work, but we sure, also yeah. really love being out and, and things like that. So I'm excited to, to check it out and, and learn more. If there's a good place or the best place for people to connect with you guys online, that'd be like the website. Yeah. So, you know, tinyshinyhome.com is sort of the main hub, uh, where, you know, where we have links to all the, the, products and the the guides and the giveaways and stuff but i think if you want to get more of like a a day-to-day take on our lives it would be instagram so it's just tiny shiny home on instagram all one word and that's where we that's where we keep things the most updated we do have a youtube channel we are on facebook too but i think probably instagram is is your best bet for for really staying up to date real time with us i love it jonathan thanks so much for taking the time and coming on the podcast Absolutely. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode with Jonathan. If you want to learn more, you can go to heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast show notes if you want to check out Jonathan's website and some of the links that we mentioned in today's episode. I have a kind of a random request challenge that I want to throw out there, which is basically, I love this idea that Jonathan started the Kick Awesome show in order to set aside one day a week and not get deep in the weeds on client projects, but just do something purely for fun to avoid burnout and, you know, kind of working himself into the ground. I would love to hear if you have started some type of project or you devote 10% or 20% of your time to doing something that is not necessarily going to generate short-term revenue or it's not even part of a short-term business strategy, but it's something that is semi-involved in your work or your business or your craft and you just do it because you you love it. I would love to hear from you. Shoot me a tweet at Heath Paget, and I'm excited to dig in and learn what you guys are doing i'm also selfishly wanting to hear because i want to have more hobbies Alyssa has told me lately i don't have enough hobbies so i would love to hear from you and learn from you guys thank you again so much for listening to this podcast and i'll see you all next time on the rv entrepreneur podcast